0: Welcome to the Knock On Archery Podcast, where we bring all archers and bow hunters together from all walks of life with the goal to educate, empower, and inspire you to be better both in the field and on the range. What's up, everybody? Knock On Podcast. F- freaking three in a row for you listening. You're like, what is happening? No podcast for six months. Then he just goes insane. That's right. Because wintertime is when I'm training training teaching, building, designing, all that good stuff. And yeah, hunting season was uh, selfishly uh, fairly private this past year. But the new episodes have been coming out on YouTube. Hopefully you've checked out the YouTube channel. Uh, Definitely, you know, going hot and heavy for everybody on content there. We've got a big goal for content this year. I think you're going to be really pumped. So, Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, and make sure you're tied in with the Instagram channel, too. That's kind of my main place to be. And then if you're not familiar with the Knock on Archery website, you should be. Obviously, it's got a store. However, there's an entire other portion where you can go uh, up to the little hamburger drop-down menu part, and you can go into the School of Knock section, and we have an entire library on the knock on archery website of video content as well if you're not a YouTube person so make sure you you're utilizing that the website is it's a beast It just hasn't been used yet by a lot of people because you don't know what it can do but it's we put a lot of work into it so make sure you utilize it I'm here with two of my local buddies and this podcast is really all about knock on nation grassroots this is about you guys and this is about two different uh kind of collabs or partnerships that i did this past year to try to help our community have better access to getting into hunting and finding new places to hunt and etc so i have two friends uh tony and joe i'm gonna say everyday joes is that cool <laughs> yeah go ahead. although tony is not a joe but uh i would say you guys are like a hundred percent you were me before i got into the into the archery industry you know just always have my gear in my truck you know your truck you look like a hunter rolling down the road especially you joe with your 37s <laughs> freaking howling and uh yeah i'm gonna i kind of want to get a little bit more of your background and then we'll talk about uh this past year you were asking me about you know hunting outside of the state and i told you about the new uh tool that we have land trust which is awesome for those of you listening i'll just give you a, a quick uh rundown so essentially land trust is a company that started up that is literally bringing an airbnb style accommodation into people that are looking for places to hunt so you'll be able to kind of figure out where you're getting a tag or where you want to go or a place you've always wanted to, to to go and landowners actually are booking their properties and hunting rights or hunting i guess it's almost like you're you're buying access to hunt private ground uh just like you would book an airbnb so uh these guys really wanted to try to experience mule deer right Mm -hmm. and it was kind of pretty last minute oh yeah definitely last minute super last minute so we went on the land trust website found a really cool spot in nebraska and uh yeah you guys did not just go once so i mean and and you liked it so i guess um before we get into those details joe give me a little bit of background about you know about you and you know where did when did you first start bow hunting because i've seen you at tax and
1: and yeah bow know. hunting i started more i was an adult you know i grew up typical midwest boy with a shotgun you know <laughs> bird hunting with my dad and 870 express or, right oh, or yeah. was it a Mossberg? no i was a remington <laughs> and uh yeah that's I, I, I think eight years old i had a 20 gauge for my birthday you know it's just that's how i grew up and uh buddy got me about 18 years old into bows and didn't really hunt much just shooting around in the house honestly and we had, had an apartment with him we shot it like 25 feet yeah (laughs) just getting reps in blowing up arrows and um and then yeah more recently honestly i got into hunting and tony and i we went out and was that post tack when when you got into the hunting did you do tack first nope i did i did uh uh hunted first we actually turkey fall turkey hunted for our very first hunt ever <laughs> like wet behind the ears no experience Let's like i go. think i was watching some of your youtube videos and i was just like you know we, we could do that so we tried and tony got a bird
2: and i mean it was Get, oh a fall bird man my first my first bird, my first bird fall bird first uh, time out first ever <laughs> right at the end of night or right at the end of the day and oh man it was crazy it was a big old big old time too so your your background
0: uh going back a little bit you used to like cook right mm-hmm. you used to be a cook oh, yeah. and, and do a bunch of that stuff still and do just not professionally like i did tony was a jimmy johns supervisor or i major was a or general something?
2: manager nice laying Sammy's for years That <laughs> was uh you hooked me up though dude i yeah i did i did because
0: uh when i when i jimmy john they do not like to go as heavy on the jimmy pepper like i honestly go to jimmy john's for the jimmy peppers on a tuna sandwich yeah i just want like i want them to make me a jimmy pepper sandwich with some tuna on it is what i would like it's you know it's rare that i get that but i told you i'm like man if you have any other hookups? If I could buy one of those big ass jars of that thing, that'd be dream come true. So you hooked me up. So did did you go in to get a Jimmy John? You met you met Tony. I've met him before.
1: I've known like 15. Years? yeah about we've known 12, each other for a
0: while oh okay now. oh yeah we were friends yeah. even
1: before jimmy johns yeah. so
2: for your first turkey did you have the bow that you have now nope so um i guess my start to my story was about five years ago um i've never hunted i never had anybody in my family that's ever hunted never uh owned a firearm never shot until i was an adult and then uh, about five years ago uh i got interested in the whole, you know, idea of hunting, so I started um, as an adult. I went and did my hunter safety course, um, started getting equipment, started doing research. Started um, this was before I knew of Onyx, I uh, or HuntWise or anything like that. I uh, printed out maps of
1: public land (laughs) off the dnr website website. so did we all (laughs) yep so i
2: just did that and then uh you didn't have a plat book you know like mm, those old county plat books to knock knock on doors yep so i that's how i started like i said about five years ago um started with a shotgun 870 um word up yep and then so i did that um for about two years took a year off just kind of got lazy about the whole thing and then I you know, Joe got was uh big in archery <laughs> by this time. Um, doing tax and everything like that. Um You need to get a bow, you need to get a bow, you need to get a bow, and so next thing you know, I i get a bow. And um it's you know, and now ever since then I just went down that rabbit hole. You know that. Yeah. That that crazy rabbit hole. There's just uh so much out there. And but, you know And you ended up getting in a bark, right? I did, I did. Um was that like your first brand new bow and my everything? My very first, you know, it was yeah, I call it my stimmy bonus. You know my stimmy, my stimmy bow. Um, you know those bo- those checks came out, that bow got dropped and I go, "My goodness." So, perfect. Yeah. Fit. So, it, it worked out and I uh, got that locally um Got set up on that and then just literally had no idea what to do. And then I took those fundamentals that you said, you know, that stance grip, all that, uh, yeah. you know, the goodness, and then shot my first bow.
0: So did you, learn, did you kind of more or less self-train everything
2: during COVID? Um, yeah, everything. Oh, that's yeah, freaking betwe- awesome. Between Joe watching, you know, giving me a little pointers here and there, the school of knot, I mean, that's about it, you know.
0: I feel like there's so many people that are listening That are saying, dude, that was me. That was me. Because during COVID, obviously, there's a lot of veteran archers that, you know, kind of they were like, oh, damn, I've always wanted to have the time to do this. But then there was a whole different group of people, I believe, that were like, I've always wanted to try this. And that whole mass came in just heavy because when I was – remember when COVID first happened? I like I thought it was going to be like a couple weeks. I think we all did. Yeah, everyone did. So I was doing those COVID challenges every day. I was like challenging people something to do and, you know, do like a shooting challenge or – I mean one one day was like I think I picked winners for like who cleaned their freezer the best you know and <laughs> I like remember we that. we did a bunch of stuff like that. Mine's actually still freaking dialed in from that day, um, but yeah, I knew there were so many new people. Um, one of one of uh, my base jump jumping buddies, uh, Johnny Craig, he wanted to learn, so his wife actually reached out and. Uh, we had a mutual friend. She reached out and asked for, like, you know, getting him a bow and stuff. So I got him dialed in, and he's self-learned too, you know, like just shooting in the backyard all the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, was it the Embark that you ended up going and
2: getting your fall turkey, or was that pre-Embark? Uh, that was pre- the turkey was pre-Embark. Um, Was pre-bow. So I've only had the bow. I don't think you've learned fall turkey
0: strategies from me, bro. (laughs) My fall turkey strategy is buy the tag and deer hunt. Mm.
1: And then whack one when it comes by. The crazy thing is we didn't even think about deer hunting at the time Mm -mm. like we we saw (laughs) we saw a video and it was for like some turkey schnitzel or something (laughs) and we're like we want to do that we want to make that food and that's really what got us me with my cooking background is like i wanted to cook this food and go out in the woods and get it myself. And it was pretty cool. I mean, that's yeah. turkey schnitzel. That's what that's oh, what got man. us into it. <laughs> that, that's what yeah. we started, that's awesome, what started the snowball of our uh, hunting career. Mm-hmm. Was tur- we did, uh, yeah. f- f- First tag ever bought was turkey tags. Wasn't even a deal. Start
0: archery cold turkey, dude, for yeah. the schnitzel. <laughs> Damn. The schnitzel. Yeah. Well, I've been I've been in the, the heart of sch- schnitzel land <laughs> many times, and I've never had turkey schnitzel, I That's can good. tell you that. That's good. We'll uh, have
1: to make it for you sometime.
0: Yes, I do want that. So, you know, I guess we're kind of up to date. You got into tax after that hunt. Uh, Yeah. Because you started going to some of those. and mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, and those 3D shoots. Yeah, there's a couple local ones. And, and then the what did that open up? Did that, like,
1: unlock a whole different level of, like, I'm all oh, in? Oh, man, a whole nother <laughs> rabbit hole. Because I started, like, building my own arrows. You start changing your equipment. But then you get, like, that bond. You know, those, those days of going to the archery shops, you know, it's like – you really want to teach yourself you can't just go to the archery shop once a week to right mess with my rest mess with my sight it's like so you teach yourself how to do those you watch youtube videos and google and you've just and it, it just it's a better experience you know yeah and, and be able to, have to shoot out to you know, 120 yards or something it's not an easy feat well the reality is archery equipment isn't
0: like a gun that's kind of the that's the hard thing for me teaching a lot of the veterans that i work with is i'll like i've Literally worked on them. They got a brand new bow, and then we'll like go to shoot the tack, and they'll just literally throw it in the back of the like a side by side, and then go to the freaking course. And I'm like, I pull up behind them, and then they just get their bow out. I'm like, was that in a case? And they're like, no. Why? And I'm just like, well, see how your strings all freaking chewed apart. That's from, like, one trip vibrating around in the back of that thing. They're like, oh, I used to just throw my gun back there. (laughs) So they're, like, used to, you know, they're used to that durability with archery. You know, strings change. You know, strings do change uh, as that wax change and, you know, with heat and cold and stuff. And and as you shoot, you know, serving slip or a loop wears, I think – regardless of how many great shops there are out there that can do it right and certainly there's you know there's times where not everyone wants to work on their own gear or has time but you definitely need to know because you know you go on a like if you guys went out to where you went for land trust and ended up having a loop break i mean to be able to have a little repair kit we just finished a video today um me and the guys about you know my little like to-go box that i have my road my roadie box you need to have that and you need to have that knowledge because you know if you're in a brand new place what are you gonna do you know go to a shop you don't know Mm -hmm. you know you kind of get forced into that well freaking stump shot one time and some I don't even know what he did, but he came back and he's like, I don't know where my thingy went in my string. And I'm like, <laughs> what's, what? And I look and his peep's gone. And so, you know, we're up in the middle of nowhere in Alberta. And like 10 at night, we had to find a local person. And they were, I think, 50 kilometers away that we heard had a bow press. And Andy like drove down there and like knocked on the door to be like, hey, can I... Can you help me get this peep back in my string? So, I mean, you need some knowledge. That's pretty awesome. We'll talk about um, when you guys were going to do the land trust thing. I I wanted to do one this fall, but I drew a bunch of tags that I really hadn't planned on drawing the same year. Mm-hmm. So my schedule was full. So I kind of thought, hey, you guys 100% go in this like – just like any listener or any person that trusts, you know what I'm saying about Land Trust being as cool as it is. I think it's awesome, and I think it's a much needed segue between. Honestly, Tony's, you know, more like Joe. You you were, I think you were a little ahead, but like Tony's the perfect example of someone who, you know, learned to teach themselves how to shoot during COVID. Upgraded their equipment, you know, got a fall turkey, did the schnitzel. Now he's wanting to, like, broaden his broaden his horizons. So you guys, uh, you know, I told you, I'm like, hey, look at this app and, like, go through it. And then, you know, and you guys where did you start like take me through the whole process because you you went back several times and i think you guys are going back you're even doing for turkeys right Getting yeah, turkey talk- schnitzel in the
1: spring spring schnitzel <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're talking about it i mean it was it was kind of last minute you know so it was, it was definitely tough to do we had our tags you know pulled already bought for the you know for back here and I've I've always wanted to go you know, watching videos, watching guys go out go out west, you know, and that's yeah. what I always wanted to do. I've always been kinda halfway planning it. Um, but then this opportunity arised and I mean it was just like let's just do it and we kinda knew where we wanted to go. I knew we wanted to go for mule deer. You know, we're we're in whitetail country, so we wanted to go for something different and I mean, yeah, Land Trust just it it made it so much smoother. Just finding the place and booking it, and did it. So when you booked it, same as Airbnb, found the spot on the app. Did you did you surf on the website first, just so it was bigger? Yeah, we checked on the website, you know, and you're able to check out a few of the different properties, see some pictures, and it also it, well, what But helped out us a lot was the tag information. Is like us being out of state non residents. I mean, there's. To, you know you got to draw some of those places we, yeah we didn't know any of that um so we were able to actually just click on the landowner and then it would give us all that information it would yeah. tell you
2: right then and there your odds of drawing that tag if you're able to out of state and about how much just all that information right then and there on that page you know what each property that you selected and
0: so you'd be able to know like hey this is an otc tag mm-hmm. we can get th- like we can go buy this or yeah you know and then then you can figure out like this is something you can buy at a Walmart you don't have mm-hmm. to find a DNR get office or anything exactly. like that like
1: it just it was so much easier you know especially with it being last minute as it was and um, I mean yeah it was just it, it made it so much easier to find that property
0: so you found the spot then you book in mm-hmm. then you pretty much get the instructions
2: sent to you on you know location and contact information yep. and all that yep just like the, just like an airbnb type setup would be um sit there uh, select your dates um this property that we chose had different packages different hunts that you could go on right. um, whether it be turkey mule deer whitetail so you just select your dates, select your species your hunt that you want to do um it gets sent to the owner he verifies and then just confirms and sends back like you said all that contact info um right then and there you have his personal information so you can contact him. we definitely utilize that a lot because we were out of state we only had three weeks if i'm not mistaken from the time of being offered to the time of the start of the hunt yeah we had three weeks so we were trying to utilize as much time as we could and And uh, the hunt windows were short too you did like
0: little three-day spurts so you were trying to get out there like because you're honestly you guys are a hundred percent like you know when i when i was working and had very limited vacation time mm-hmm. cuz i think i forget what it was i think i only had a 5 days vacation for the first 2 years then i had you know maybe 10 days at 5 years or something and i didn't have th- 3 weeks till 10 years so i like you know right when i got 10 years i finally got like you know the 10 to 15 day period but normally my rut was you know f- it felt like forever i only had five days so i would do a lot of like three-day weekends or try to use a day on like a long weekend or Mm -hmm. something like that so you guys went out and didn't you go out one time for just you knew it was more of a recon
1: mission Yeah. yeah we actually got to do and i mean luckily the landowner let us do this too you know so he we went out uh two weeks before and you know as you said with our vacation time being limited so we just used those weekends took i mean a six-day trip would be ideal to get out there do your scouting and everything yeah but but being able to break it up into two you know working with the landowner he let us put some cameras out which was awesome too um get all that scouting done you know a couple weeks before and then we went back two weeks later for the hunt
0: how familiar Was the landowner with the process and, like, with Land Trust? I mean, it wasn't something like – because I've definitely – I've hunted at private land people's places where they're kind of affiliated with an outfitter. You know what I mean? He was far
1: from it. I Mm -hmm. mean, opposite. he was two years into Land Trust, just a hard-working American cattle rancher who had, what, 1,500 acres and, I mean, just – hey, you guys want to come out and hunt? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just trying to share the opportunity with other people. So. He had a, And this place had a had a little cabin and stuff that he had for people and everything, oh, right? Oh, yeah. 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 He had a full kitchen, refrigerator, stove. I mean, it, we weren't roughing it by any means. So <laughs> it was nice. We had to cook some good food, and, you know. And mm-hmm. That definitely makes it a little bit more enjoyable when you got some, you know, beds to sleep in and a stove to cook on.
0: And the property looked really cool i mean you got well there's there's so many takeaways from it i was pumped to hear it and you're like you know you're like well we didn't get anything we had to. we needed more time to move our spots and figure some stuff out which is definitely part of the fun of you know for me like especially becoming a bow hunter that's part of the you know learning that stuff and you know for me i I drive past places where I used to hunt, like where I got permission or even a public land spot where I knew it was small and I could like sit for an hour before work or something. And I've like, look at the trees and stuff where I sat and I thought like, dang dude, (laughs) you just wasted vacation days. Just like getting in a spot at times, just because you could hunt it rather than like finding a spot where you have good opportunity and and honestly it's just i don't know i think you get you become more experienced by putting yourself in in positions where you experience hunting like if you're just going to go and you don't really have a spot i mean it's definitely not a bad call cuz it's your only option but this just looks like such an affordable way for people to be like, you know what? I'm going to take a three day weekend for opening week of deer season. And I'm going to, you know, I don't have any place on private land or whatever in Iowa. I'm going to go to this spot or, you know, and you can book ahead of time too. Like that's one thing I told you is, you know, Hey, if you know, you like that spot, lock in the good dates, you know, for, for next year. So, you know, or, um, we actually have like an elk spot um, that me and some of my buddies had found where we're like, okay, how about us two book the first week from this landowner, you three book the second week and you three book the fourth week. And next thing you know, you you got this big period of time on public or on private land where more or less it's like getting a lease with your buddies the difference is you know you're kind of blocking out some primo time where a bunch of you are hunting and if someone learns something he can tell the other guy like hey where we all put that stand to begin with it needs to we need to shift it like 150 yards you know because everything was in the saddle of that ridge it wasn't on the top you know Mm -hmm. and i think i think you can make some very strategic plays with land trust if you do it right One play, you guys actually did it opposite how I've talked to people a lot. People ask me, you know, hey, if I'm going to go hunt Illinois or if I'm going to hunt Iowa for the first time, you know, when do you think I should scout for deer? And I tell tell everybody, I'm like, put in for a spring turkey tag. Like spring turkeys is the time to learn – enough information about deer to have a very good start on a deer season. Because, you know, the snow's just coming out, all those trails that the deer were just pounding, they're normally like muddy and really visible. The undergrowth really hasn't come up yet. And a lot of times the foliage isn't there. So you can kind of pick the right tree and, you know, especially if you had like hunt wise, you could pin the tree, mark it, and you know kind of determine the predominant wind you're going to want at that time and based on like you know you're going to see so much sign on the ground and it just it's like the perfect thing to do like during the middle of the day during turkey season Mm -hmm. you guys did it opposite you went mule deer hunting and now you got you guys came back and you're like we're freaking like turkey season we're going (laughs) to clean up out there
2: (laughs) there was a lot of birds (laughs) there was a lot of (laughs) there was a lot of birds (laughs) What
0: so? What were your takeaways, Tony? You told me you, you like took no, you took notes and stuff so that you'd be better at it the next year.
2: Um, yeah, I just wanted to make sure, like, I documented, um, you know, what I did, what I saw, um, just the whole, you know, hunt itself. Uh, just because it was, you know, I mean, my first out of state, uh, first crack at, you know, a new species and all that. It was just a big, big hunt for me. Um, so, what's I just your wanted, takeaways? The takeaways from from it would be. Um, Mule deer are elusive suckers. Um, (laughs) Yes. They don't want to be seen, and they do a really good job of doing that, not being seen. Um, I really, really enjoyed the process of using land trust to be able to pick out the property that we chose. Um, Me and Joe went through a couple of them, and I do, um, even though we struck out, um, I think that we learned a lot about... Um, just that type of terrain that type of environment um so that will help you know we'll be able to use that in the future um but we you know picked that place in particular because of the different types of um landscapes that they had yeah um there was heavy timber there was cliffs there was um it was really barren deserty looking stuff there was um it was it was crazy there was just a lot of land cover i think like uh just about 1500 feet or 1500 uh acres acres um and you know we couldn't get all on all of it with the time that we had and so we just tried to do our best and that's why i took notes yeah um but so just the hunt or the using land trust to utilize that time and to pick out that hunt was awesome you know it was it was it summed up uh, a lot of you know there was um, blinds out there that you know that they listed so we were able to use those um yeah did you use those for like observation on night one or something?
0: Did you guys like use some of those as more of like a lookout tower to kind of try yeah. to figure out what yeah, the heck definitely. was going on
2: and checkpoints you know just yeah. like you know go check it out call give it a name, and just you know so so that we were you know making our way around the property, he had them in like pretty much opposite corners, so we you know we would just go there check out that, and like I said, with just a different terrain that there was. Um, each spot seemed like it was just a little bit different and so
0: yeah because like some of the pictures you showed looked you know like Like pretty wide open country that would look good for like antelope or something, but Mm -hmm. then there was some that looked like Texas hill country Mm -hmm. for
1: sure, where it it was was so diverse,
0: deep ravines, and I mean to learn like what the winds doing at those in the morning versus evening, like
1: thermals and everything. Yeah, it's it's tough, and I mean, I mean like for me with with like I guess for Tony, I mean this is kind of his first bow hunting experience too so like going from shotgun and knowing where to set up you can't just go sit underneath the tree like Mm -hmm. you would with a shotgun Mm -hmm. so i think that was a huge you know experience for him and then for me i'm so used to climbing in the tree tree for whitetail and when you have 1500 acres it's just if you sit in a tree at the same spot you're not going to see everything that's out there yeah and so and that was the biggest learning experience for me is that first day it's like we shouldn't have sat (laughs) (laughs) yeah we really shouldn't have i mean there's there's just so much ground to cover but it's like now that we know that we can you know get a better game plan for next year because i'd love to go back to that same property with the knowledge that we have now yeah um and plus it was a drought this year so that made it extremely tough too i'll
0: tell you what's really nice about it is the fact that you can you can literally find a hunt last minute mm-hmm. like dead last minute so you know let's say you go on the hunt what you guys did you guys went and when you came back you're like hey we looked and in three weeks like we're gonna go back and use another day vacation and 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 You found like another opening. Mm -hmm. The the problem with like an outfitter or honestly even you know like if if I had someone that wanted to come hunt Iowa and I'm like, I'll hunt with you I can't just make it an invitation for the whole month of November. Mm -hmm. I would say like when do you wanna come and I'll make sure I'm not gonna be in my in a tree somewhere and I can you know, we can dip dodge and duck, you know. So But then once that would happen, let's say they got closed but no cigar, it's not like I'm going to be able to two days later say, okay, you want to do another four or five days? Like the calendars are really locked in. What was so cool about that is being able to have the opportunity to go on a hunt and then because it's, you know, the way that it's booked out, you could find another two-day window or another three-day window or you can just tack on a day. Mm-hmm. you know yeah depending, that's depending liked. on the you know how they're booked out you know tack on an extra day and stay an extra day or two
1: yeah i think the scheduling is, and i know the landowner like the scheduling too because he can just you know uh nebraska's rifle season country i mean like they have two weeks of rifle season that's it and then he says look that's for family you know so mm-hmm. like if he was an outfitter he wouldn't be able to black out those dates sometimes yeah yeah he can just he can pick you know, he has some uh some muzzle loader guys. He's like, Oh, you know, I don't want them to come out this year. So <laughs> You know, so he just he's able to pick yeah. who he can have come out and, and not. Yeah. And so yeah, just having being able to schedule more like uh like an airbnb and
0: you didn't get the feel like this guy's just signed up for this to just run a million guys through there.
1: opposite exact opposite if anything i don't even think you really liked having anyone out there because i mean it was just a family farm yeah it was but it's a a
0: way for these guys to pay taxes and stuff right now i mean i mean i I just filled my propane tank holy crap if i was out there you know If I was a person that had multiple properties, which, you know, a lot of these guys with lots of land have lots of land. They also have, like, a cool little cabin there. Well, you got to turn that freaking thing on, you know. And honestly, for those of you listening, if like they're looking for other properties so if you you know if you've bought properties for an investment point of view and you know you've got your taxes to pay on that thing or if you're wanting to raise some cash to put in some row crop row crop for for your t- the time of year where you're going to be hunting it you know let's say you bought a property 100% for for deer but you're not going to go out and spring turkey hunt well you can generate some income with that by tie, tying into this thing like it's it's such a cool idea it's almost like, i mean it's it's per, it's just as soon as i heard of it i'm like duh that's that is the ticket because you know you it's sometimes it's hard the first step is the hardest thing to try to figure out where to go mm-hmm. so i
2: started that was <clears throat> excuse me that was my first private land hunt Um, everything I've done up until now or up until then was all on public land you know so that was my very first time doing that and then I've always heard these you know these um, people that have these leases me being you know novice into the whole thing I wasn't you know how how do I get started with that you know Mm -hmm. where do you you know sounds like a lot of money Um, and with this option it's you get to pick those days you pay for those days only you know and you don't have to sit there and buy a whole lease for mm-hmm. a year or whatnot and um it's very affordable you would say extremely affordable i would say for what you're getting and um, that right it just worked out like i said that was the best way for me to get my first private land hunt and pick that out and uh so cool yeah it was awesome it was awesome well
1: and for me it's like for someone who wants to go out west it was kind of like a practice experience you know coming from where we have lots of public land and just a different landscape than out there like having that private land to kind of run around on makes me feel more confident to where if I want to go to Montana, Colorado or something and hit one of those two hundred thousand acre properties. I feel a little bit more comfortable. Or at least know how to kind of grid them out, you know, and that that was a cool thing that we learned is kind of grid out what we wanted to scout, what we wanted to go look at, what we wanted to see for that day. You Mm -hmm.
0: know, and plus taking bites out that are palatable. Exactly. You know, like um The first time I ever went out west was, um, you know, my family had a horse farm. And uh, we trained some horses and stuff like that. And we actually hired a horse trainer to come out and do some clinics with my sister. And he was from Bozeman. And this was 90s. And uh, he came out and, and, you know, he kind of said, like, have you ever do you elk hunt? And I said, I don't think I know what one looks like, but I'm like, are those those things that like scream like a girl? (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, yeah, they scream. He said, they're, they're so freaking awesome. So I was like, dude, I want to do it. You know, I said, yeah, I'll do it. I mean, to me, I didn't really, honestly, I only knew Midwestern hunting. I knew what I knew from growing up in Mississippi hunting in tree stands, stuff like that. And then when I moved to northern Illinois, southern Wisconsin, you know, that was deer hunting too. And, you know, you kind of had more terrain and more, you know, rolling hills and some diversity in the in the landscape. So I, I, don't, I don't even know what I was thinking about Wes, but I was just visualizing just this big-ass elk being kind of in the same thing. So, you know, he told me, he's like, Put in for a tag, and if you get one, he's like, "I'll I'll take you." So, uh, my first ever hunt was with this guy who kind of grew up on a ranch. You know, grew up on a ranch very similar to like the Yellowstone. Truthfully, uh, was a farrier out there, and and uh, he was actually trained by the Horse Whisperer. So he trained a lot of their horses, and we ended up going public land hunting uh, in the breaks and Spanish Peaks, and. Really quick, I was like, "This backpack is totally wrong. These boots are like you." I paid the price for not knowing. You know, there was I don't even think there was internet. So yeah, I mean, I, it's not like I had a checklist of like different things to to get. And being from Illinois all the way to the breaks, it was almost too far away from home to like have that many mistakes mm-hmm. and it was also like I went for a week and then it was done and honestly by the time I realized everything I took was wrong was dumb um, it was kind of too late and I, I wish I could have went on a shorter trip and learned some stuff and then been able to make some adjustments and be a little bit more reactive like for you guys to go to you know to go to Nebraska that's freaking cuz you are you're literally like starting western hunting mm-hmm. right there you're yeah. you're starting those things you know cuz i i looked at your pictures and i'm like Yep, they're kind of kicking at midday, having a little nap. They got their stuff all laid out, but they're looking at stuff, you know, glassing a lot of stuff with their binos. and
1: Definitely different.
0: Probably figuring out like, oh, now I know why they make freaking powerful binoculars and stuff. Because you're like, you know, these freaking eight powers suck out here when I'm trying to look across two miles.
1: Yeah, and I mean, even just like getting your gear set up. I mean, just being prepared to take those, you know, longer shots. And
0: just yeah, were you already like recalibrating. Like, I want more of a western setup than yeah, just I mean, thinking exactly. of a whitetail arrow.
1: I mean, out here you shoot twenty-five yards, thirty-five yards, and as long as you shoot straight out to that far, you're fine. But yeah. out there, I mean, you might be tucked behind a bush. I mean, it's just it was so much different. Yeah, I mean, it was
0: a learning experience, and it seems like when you're a whitetail hunter. Especially from the Midwest, your maximum distance that you kind of think like, like even trimming lanes. Like mm-hmm. when I trimmed lanes for a whitetail, I didn't trim 50 and 60 yard lanes.
1: 20 yards. That's yeah, it was like 20, one 30
0: one yards, end. you know, kind of, you know, because honestly, like in a lot of spots, by the time it's 20 yards or 30 yards that way and 20 or 30 yards that way, the timber you're in is already bottlenecking down. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of out of space like that's your shot so you go out there and you're in that vast open country Mm -hmm. and you're thinking there's no way i'm getting 30 yards from 30 40 yards from something like it's not it's not going to happen so you you start thinking like i I can get 50 or 60 (laughs) but like 20 Mm -hmm. they're going to hear me or see me because you know you just you feel that way yeah it's it's such a freaking perfect perfect segue you got any more take do you have any more do you have any don'ts tony did you write some like don't do this
2: um don't do that or well i think joe can vouch for this one don't (laughs) break your bow (laughs) um we (laughs) We we had on on the last day of the hunt three-day hunt uh on the last day um there was a little bow mishap so that kind of shut down kind of the part of the morning for you know for (laughs) joseph uh, there i think
1: more importantly what what led up to the bow breakdown was not checking my equipment when i got to the property dang you just did a video on that today well and what you're talking about you know with those gun guys just throwing your stuff in the back of the truck you know he's you know we had tons of gear that we had to take with us (laughs) stuff was bumping around back in the back of the jeep you know we should first thing we should have done is pulled out my target put a few arrows through it nope yeah so no
0: doubt about it what are you thinking
1: (laughs) yeah so of course first arrow i did try to fly it Uh, just went three yards to the right (laughs) three yards high it was was just terrible and
0: um, yeah because i remember saying um (laughs) it was i mean this was two months ago but i remember saying like i go did you guys fire any shots? And you kind of just had this immediate look, which I've seen a lot on. You know, <laughs> if you've been with friends at camps enough, you've seen it, where you're like, "Oh, there were shots fired," and I'm like, "Uh oh." <laughs> <And laughs> shots fired, but you're the like, trees you're still like deep. three feet high, three feet right. Oh, it, was, it was bad. <laughs> you had some equipment issue equipment failures, but. Yep that's but lesson learned you know lesson learned so what's the next step like are you because at one time you were you know you were really trying to figure out like where i can hunt i mean is this going to be your go-to you think till you kind of get get your feet underneath you and
1: i mean we definitely want to utilize some more of the properties that land trust has to offer um i have been keeping in touch with the particular landowner that we went to just i mean yeah a good chunk of land (laughs) and just because we had a hard time this year you know it doesn't mean that we don't want to go back next year with the knowledge that we have now. Yeah. Um, and plus, you know, as you said, spring turkey, he's got tons of <laughs> birds out there. We can use that as another scouting opportunity. Yeah. Um, and just kind of build a relationship with these landowners over time. I mean, it really just opens things up for the future. Yeah. You know, which is what we're looking forward to.
0: Like, you might not, sometimes it's hard to find sign in areas like if they're not just plowing it down with cattle to where the, you know, the ground's really exposed or. Or if there's not a very, very specific direct point food source, a lot of times it's hard to start seeing those trails until na- mm-hmm. really December, January, you know, once that snow starts to pack down that dead vegetation and then they just, and then maybe have a few days where it warms up and it becomes muddy and they just start freaking thrashing it. I'll guarantee you if you went now, you would definitely be like, oh, we didn't see that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. travel corridor or something. We didn't see that when the leaves are on or, you know, when honestly when there's snow, especially if there's snow there and it's staying there, um, one of the things that I do is properties where I've got permission to hunt and I hunted it for the first time but really didn't learn it right now is like my drone's always in my car and right now is when I fly my drone and you can just see the tra you can mm. see the travel paths. You know, it kinda looks like an overhead of a cow lot or something. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, no wonder I didn't see anything. I was two hundred yards from the junction. I never knew it was in there, you know. So yeah, this is pretty cool. This'll be um I think you only get better at it too. Are there things that you wish you would have asked that you didn't, or was was it just spelled out? I mean, you guys, we uh, we I took I took your uh, your guys's phone footage, and I'm gonna put it out as kind of a video so people can kind of see what what the experience was. But I know for me, um, this I would have freaking been doing this damn near every weekend when i you know when i was like single and you know had my own truck and a couple buddies none of us had freaking commitments and we all waited for payday and had some extra cash we were going to burn i i would have definitely been vouching for listen dudes instead of us going downtown and you know wasting a bunch of money at some bull riding Mm -hmm. bars or whatever the hell you know, let's go freaking chase some critters around. Yeah. So, did you bring... You brought your own food to this place?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a kitchen. Well, so, when we first went out for the scouting trip, I mean, we we pretty much roughed it. We figured this is going to be deer camp. Yeah. Yeah. So, we... we brought you know the 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 freeze-dried foods and the jerkies <laughs> and the snack foods and yeah and then once we we, when we got out there we realized you just got a full kitchen out there yeah
0: damn i just, just need a couple frozen pizzas and Literally so. what that's, we
1: that's, <laughs> <laughs> we some frozen pizzas and some moose steaks uh, that you gave us yeah, yeah. yeah i had
0: i had uh no i had elk tenderloin last night it was freaking awesome
1: it definitely makes a trip a little bit more enjoyable when you can eat some hot food every night.
0: Yeah, I mean I I do enjoy like the the backpacking style of, you know, eating that way, but it's not like I mean if I if I can be in a good kitchen and I can I can honestly what's nicest about a kitchen is having time to prep something like especially if you utilize like like a mini traeger that's smoking or a crock pot or something like that to where when you come in you're not like having to weigh out that thing in your mind which the the thing is a decision that i always weigh out of am i going to get more out of 90 minutes more sleep right now or actually eating and sometimes you know when you're there's times where if I've helped someone pack out a day or two before or you blow a tire and have to walk back or whatever the hell you know if I'm like going on my third or fourth day of two or three hours of sleep I'm just like I'm not eating (laughs) I just want to crash right now so to have like an actual roof over your head where you can prep and plant some of that stuff or the frozen pizzas are definitely like have enough of those for nights where you're like you come in you just turn the oven on you're like 22 minutes I'm freaking eating this thing and, then and then in 8 minutes I am I'm, <laughs> I am asleep and I'm throwing this cardboard
2: in the garbage can <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that was definitely fun we mm. also have hunts that we looked at that you know if you want to be out in the middle of nothing, you could, you can do that. You know, if <laughs> yeah. you if you don't want the luxury of having you know a kitchen or anything like that, you know, you really want to backpack it. They have those options out there too. So, did you guys already start a bucket
0: list when you were going through?
2: <sighs> well, I think he can agree with me. Um, we want to throw down on some hogs. And, yeah, you know that, and you can uh, on the website you can sit there and uh, pick species. Yeah, that's and, you know, what was cool. I love I love the fact that you can just first pick a species then you can pick a state you Mm -hmm. know yep so that makes it a lot a lot easier um but i'm thinking honestly i think we'll throw down on some hogs here soon um and then try and make it back out west yeah texas or well florida texas oklahoma
0: would be dynamite like february march hog Mm -hmm. zones Mm. yeah have to look into Texas. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Texas, I think it was calling my name.
0: I don't... Was there much there for Texas with uh, Land Trust?
1: We didn't look too much into other states. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I said, I was kind of looking into going out west a little bit before this, so Mm -hmm. I kind of already had in my head you know colorado like you know you get your over the counter and then there's points i just i knew nebraska was a little bit easier yeah and with it being so last minute we just kind of stayed tunnel vision on nebraska looked at it, it yeah if we would have had more time i think we would have probably gone somewhere else but i mean it worked it, everything worked out is what just it what yeah. was so nice about it yeah that.
0: certain states were always my like if I tagged out early and had extra days that I wanted to be somewhere like Nebraska or South Dakota, or, um, it was always great for like last minute turkeys where it could, you know, you could just get a tag and go, you know, and, and didn't, some States you don't have like a waiting period when you buy that license too, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. some places you can buy and hunt like, you know mm-hmm. buy and
1: walk out of the Walmart and start hunting,
0: you know, back to wherever you're going.
1: Mm-hmm. And that was another thing, you know, at the land trust, you know, just it told us these are the tags you need, these are the zones that everything's in and uh, we did everything on the website. We didn't even have to go to a Walmart. <laughs> we printed out our tags beforehand and yeah, and headed on out. I mean, it made it super easy.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been telling so many people about it and I think I just think the word hasn't got out yet, but you know, honestly, I, I've never really, I've never favored the the direct, like, digging your heels into public land because I hunted pub, public land a lot and always, you know, dreamed of hunting. Well, the, I first actually started on, on private land because it was, you know, it was a place that my uncle had and my grandfather had a small farm um more it was mainly a dairy farm but we had deer on it and so i hunted with them on private land during christmas or uh yeah well yeah christmas thanksgiving or easter so when i went and saw them uh but then when i got back to illinois i really didn't have any places to hunt so it was all you know it was public land and what public land does but that doesn't mean i didn't take a different route to the public land spot and knock on doors and knock on doors you know because i did or if i met someone at work and he's like yeah we got a small place i'm gonna go i mean i would have never thought about being like no i'm a i only hunt this Mm -hmm. like because i started out hunting one because it was all i knew i didn't even know there was a difference you know i just I went because that's where they told me to go. Honestly, at that age, I didn't even know, like, people had property boundaries. I just sat in the tree until I got picked up again. And then when I started hunting the public land, you know, I learned the hard way of, like, you know, you can't leave something out overnight or, you know, don't put a tree stand up because it's gone. You know, just, like, all that little stuff. So, I've just... I feel like depending on your area or depending on who you know or depending on who you work with or really just depending on your, your schedule or your finances, like, I just want people to hunt. You know, I want them to be able to have access to hunt. Um, I never looked at people that are were hunting private as like, you know, well, that's on a, you know, well, that doesn't awesome. count. Like, I never I never thought of it that way because – you know, if you kind of think of it as, well, there's way more opportunity and that doesn't even rate. Well, I could say that about hunting Illinois versus hunting Mississippi. And I could say that, you know, I growing up hunting Mississippi and, like, you know, knowing how smart those freaking deer are and how hard it is to shoot 130-inch deer there, you, you know, I could have dug my heels in and said, well, you know, hunting in the north is it's not it's not the same no it's just like when i was in the south everyone i knew from the south thought about being able to hunt the midwest and go where the biggest deer are mm. and you know that's just that's natural like we should all like to do that so you know i don't want to um i had well i had a guy dm me one time about uh no he actually he made a comment of uh, just going off about the fact that i hunt on private land in Iowa.
1: Well Iowa's pretty much all private land to begin with. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. So there's not a lot of public land. Yeah. So it's very, very pressured.
0: Yeah, it's not like out west. You know, some states you don't have tens and hundreds of thousands of acres of of public land. Some of these spots are like there's public land but it's eighty acres and Mm -hmm. you know there might be four or five people there. Um and and the other thing, too, is some people have private land that is surrounded by public land that is super heavily pressured. So mm-hmm. their private land, you know, if you're going to categorize them, their private land is actually just as hard to hunt as the public land, depending on where they're at. But I'm just ne- I've never liked that line. I've never liked, you know, the line of, uh, you know, public hunter, private hunter, because, you know, I'm just a hunter. I'll hunt. I mean, if someone tells me of an awesome public land spot, I'm going. If you tell me, you know, if someone invites me to an awesome private spot, you know, I'm going. You know, if Land Trust has an awesome spot that I can book for two days, I'm going. You know, I don't want to, I don't feel like we're at a point as a community to have any types of lines in the sand. I just, I don't know. I'm not down with that.
1: Hunt where you can hunt, you know, have fun. Yeah. Just get outdoors is all it's about.
0: Yeah. I mean so you know, it's you could well, some people have done the same thing with uh like compound trad archery or compound uh honestly, even the gun hunters like listen, when gun season comes, it's I know it's gun season. And there's times where i have I l I've I've hunted with a gun. You know, I've hunted with a gun. I love shooting guns and, you know, I do it a lot. My, my content is archery. So, you know, I, I keep it that way, but yeah, I love that. And I don't save one of my deer tags for gun season though. I, you know, I'm, I'm a bow hunter, but I also know when it's gun season, like I know my neighbors are going to shoot a bunch of stuff that I, that I chose not to i don't get pissed about it you know i get pi- i'd get mad if it if, if it happened illegally right you know if it happened illegally but the reality like i don't own the deer you know and they they move around you know i've killed deer that a landowner was all mad that i killed it and you know because he was 12 miles away and had all the summer pictures of that deer and i'm like I don't know, dude. I freaking hit my horns together. This thing ran in, right over there's the tree. I killed him, and honestly, I do what I do every time I kill a deer at home. I call my game warden and I have him come come get it, mm-hmm. just so that he can see where I shot it, know where I shot it, you know, look at my footage, do whatever he wants to do, and that way, like everything is very very transparent. But I I don't think as a community we need to have I don't know any types of barriers on where to hunt like let's hunt everywhere Mm -hmm. this is my spot let's hunt yeah let's hunt everywhere let's let's make sure we still have public land Mm -hmm. 100% let's make sure we you know obviously private land let's make sure everyone that owns private land are hunters Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we can so someone can hunt it right and doing
1: your part too you know like if you do get something make sure you get all your game out of it you know make sure you do your you know your stewards of the land you know so yeah make sure you're doing right and then that way you're setting up the future for you know future hunters you know with these private landowners and stuff you know don't Leave a bad name to, to with the, you know, for for the hunter hunting community with them.
0: Did you and your landowner do any exchanges for like for like ratings or reviews or anything? Oh
1: yeah, yeah. He, uh, I don't know if he wrote a review on us. I, I wrote a review on him, and uh, and as I said, we, we keep in contact. I checked in on him with with Christmas, make sure he had a good Christmas. You know, because these are relationships that we definitely want to keep. You know, yeah, over the years.
0: Yeah, because here is the thing: most places like this. Like, a lot of the places I hunt are places where I went at one time, I saved up, went, hunted with an outfitter, or went with a friend. And then, you know, through that, if you're around an area enough, you're all of a sudden, you know, you spot something. You're like, holy crap, look at that thing. And then you're, well, it's on the neighbors. Well, can I go ask? Well, you can ask him, you know. So, then next thing you know, you're knocking on doors. Yeah. And... A lot of the places I hunt are places where I went in and either I just booked a hunt, and I was like an everyday guy, whatever, or I got permission. But through the follow up and through like building friendships with these places, it's not about that you can keep hunting there. What's crazy is how people want you to be successful, and when you're friends with someone then you start recognizing the fact of him being like, hey, I know you guys are coming next week. I, You know, I went out and put a couple cameras at so-and-so, so make sure you guys pull them on the way in. Like, these are the things that I'm not saying does happen with everyone that does land trust, but I just know it does happen with places I've knocked on doors. You know, when I come, it's almost like they want, they've kind of saved it for you, and they want you to do well there. And, like, as a hunter, that's the perfect scenario is them giving you an extra little 10% so that, you know, you you kind of have a little turbo boost when you get there. It's an awesome opportunity. You know, like you said, you might learn an area. And, yeah, maybe, maybe you end up... Maybe for someone that's looking for a place to buy property, maybe this is a great way to, like, experiment with, like, is this area any good? You know what? I'm going to book hunts on all these. You know, I'm going to book hunts for 10 miles around this thing and do little two- and three-day hunts and Mm -hmm. see what the density's like. You know, there's so many cool applications for it. I know for a fact that when I was, like, there's just stages. You guys are younger than me so you're at a i remember when i was at your stage but there's like stages where you're you know someday you want to have your own farm like that at least for me that was my you know that was my thing is like someday when i'm my dad's age you know i want to i want to have like my own place to hunt so you take all these little steps to get there and this is like a critical time because leases can be expensive and so like I, I had this I had a discussion with a younger kid and he was he's doing well in the industry and I kind of I said he's like yeah, I kind of want to be where you're at and, I, and I, I just told him like you'll be past where I'm at you know you'll be past where I'm at because you know now with social media like so many people know you know so many people learn from each other too um, so for me There was a time where all I wanted was my own property. It's not like I wanted a particular type of farm. I mean, my first piece of property was 2.9 acres, fully landlocked, 70 to 100 yards from public land with a road between. Hmm. And I was freaking pumped, pumped. I'd be out there like pruning shears, like making sure like saplings like had the right, you know. That was mine. Mm-hmm. Right. That was mine. Two, you know, two point nine acres, and then you know, killed a killed some does on it, and killed a you know a little basket rack, and then saw another piece of property that came up, and it was nine point something, and so you know, I kind of figured out what it would take to do that, and put an offer in it pending the sale of my other one and guess what another hunter that was like i don't i've never bought a piece of property this first piece of property i've ever bought i'm like dude i got it all dialed in for you (laughs) it's got two stands you know i got some little kitty pools in the ground for some water that's what you're missing over here you know i told him like you know hey first day of season you got to be in here because everyone you know public's right there and as soon as they come in like stuff squirts out and really likes right up there Mm -hmm. where it's sandy you know so i was able to like give them some intel and you know i went from the from the public i hunted in that public forever to then being pumped when i saw for sale sign for 2.9 acres and i literally bought a piece of property that was mine that when I got in my tree above the other trees I'm looking at the tops of the trees that I can hunt for free but <laughs> I just you know it was all about like taking those steps and then yeah three turns to ten and ten turned to 40 and then the 40 turned to 80 and you know you just keep like and then, and then you know then I got to a point where anything above that was unaffordable again so guess what i did i found the place where i could buy two and a half times more land for the same price as where i was and where there's a lot more commodity you know commodities and things to do but i you know i i ended up coming to iowa so that i could that was the only way i could afford more was to go where more was less Mm -hmm. that's what i had to do so i mean i uprooted move you know the whole family moved so like there's stages to that and as a hunter as awesome as public land is and it's needed there comes a time where hopefully you've had some success and you need to find a place to put some money or you know and and listen being a steward of the land is very rewarding it's freaking awesome and when the land isn't yours you don't have that you know Mm -hmm. You don't unless you're a ranch manager. You can't do it. Like you can't just go out on public land and start like, you know, hey, I want to edge feather this sucker, you know, (laughs) so I have better pheasants. You like, you know, you can't can't do that. You know, I'm gonna hinge cut all these all these evasive trees out of this area. You know, can't do it. So it it was fun to do that, and then you know, you just honestly as you do that and as you whether your first place is whether your first place is a a house that has 2 or 3 acres and you have a bigger yard you know you start to learn like okay I got to take care of a lot of grass all, all the time or if a tree falls down or you know or whatever it is you just like start to learn those and you and you really start to appreciate if someone does have private land that is a lot of work and for me the reason I kind of went down that rabbit hole was these people that trust their land with land trust. It's an awesome tool for all of us. hundred percent. I'm going to use it. You guys use it. You're using it again. I hope everyone listening utilizes it or if nothing else, remember the name. And if you have a brand new person that came in archery and they're like, I don't know where I should go or where I should get started, be like, Logging this website, Land Trust. You can pick the kind of animal that you want, and you can find a place to go, and you know, reach out to the reach out to them, and you can probably get some good help. You know, when that part happens, then you need to realize that those landowners they've they've probably at some point totally changed their life to have that land, and now they're letting people come on. So leave it better than you went there like that. That just has to be the rule for hunters, you know, leave it better than when you went. So, you know, make sure that if you're going to do that, take note from these two guys. Um, I mean, these two guys are, enjoyed it i mean you showed me some of your pictures interacting with you know he came out the landowner came out and like hung out with you guys at the cabin oh, a yeah. little bit and oh, yeah. so i mean that's and then you like you said you followed up with him mm-hmm. and let him know this was amazing we want to make sure we come back i mean be a be a, a steward of the privilege to be able to hunt with with something like this it is so freaking cool
1: it definitely, it definitely sets it up for the, the future generations as well.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm going to look into it even for here at home. You know, just, you know, trying.
0: I to. am. Honestly, I oh. am. Um,
2: I keep looking
0: for Iowa because what happens is, I, like, I have one place that's mine, which everyone assumes that's the only place I go. Not true. Um, it's not that big. So, I mean, there's times when there's nothing there and there's times where there and I got to strike fast, but I've got two other places where I got permission. And then other than that, I've got, you know, a cool public land spot that I have had some pretty good privacy at. But when I have like, for example, this last this last season, perfect example, my cousin, John, drew an Iowa tag, had wanted to hunt the Midwest his whole life. Uh, I told him to start putting in, you know, probably seven years ago. EHD happened, so I told him, like, don't put in because, you know, just get a point. But nevertheless, he had he had been putting in for six years and then drew a tag. So, you know, I told him, uh, you know, when he just said, well, when should I come? I'm like, well, if it were me, I would definitely be here by November 5th. You know, especially if you know if you're. He kind of said like, "I've never hunted in the Midwest. I'm taking two weeks. I'm taking like all my vacation to come." So I just said, "Freaking take that whole time there." And he kind of called and you know asked. He's like, well, "What are you seeing? You know, are you gonna save? Are you gonna save any big ones for me?" And I just said, "Hey, dude, I have places where I can just where I have permission to hunt as long as I'm hunting with the person with the landowner. Um, I'm just hunting other properties until." You're done, and when you're done, then you know then I'll hunt those spots, but like I've hunted here, you've waited six years i'll I'll show you every stand I have you freaking and I'll tell you where I would hunt every single morning. I'll tell you like where I would go, but that's yours i'm gonna you know, so I actually when there's times like that happening where someone one of my family members is has drawn. I would love to have another place to hunt. And I kind of thought about that. You know, hey, or honestly, there's just times where there's not a big shooter deer on my, you know, on my personal farm. It's like they, I need the does to have those deer come. And they come at the right time. And when they show up, it's a very small window. A lot of people don't recognize that. But, like, you kind of know how I hunt. And it's like, it's very... I'm waiting for the move to show itself. And then I'm like, I got to go right now, but I want a spot where I can, you know, just be like, you know what? Nothing's really happening at home. I don't want to skunk anything up because I know pressure hurts. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I totally would. But you know, I'm like next year during some of that early season stuff, you know, my, my, i'm not the spot for early season so i'm like i'm i'm looking at some spots to go early and some spots just to book just to book in the time because if i do have a friend that comes and says you know hey can i stop and hang out for a couple days and hunt it's like yeah sure i got some Mm -hmm. lt days booked here's the spot go get after it Mm -hmm. you know yeah that's definitely worth checking out got anything for closing?
2: Uh tone? A? Not really. Um besides, you know, I just honestly don't think that a lot of people know about this uh, I know. about this app yet and um it really is kind of a game changer. Um just how simple it is, how easy it works and just it breaks it down for you, you know, and especially me being a new hunter, you know, i click what do you want what do i want to hunt where do i want to hunt it when can i hunt it and it does everything for you you know so i think that once people start um hopefully people you know can get their hands on it sooner than later and then once they see that i think that um it will definitely help out a lot of people so yeah yeah it's and, gonna be great yeah it is and yeah no I'm, I'm definitely stoked that i got turned on to it as soon as i did um it was a great experience for us um and yeah, I definitely see some more in the future. And uh, yeah, going I, on your first hunt like away
0: from the house, mm-hmm. what was there any gear mistakes that you made? Like, oh. were you like oh, I should have brought this, or was there like any
2: apps you like got out there and realized were super
0: handy? Did you already have HuntWise?
2: Yeah, yeah. So HuntWise was the game saver. Oh, I'd yeah. say <laughs> um, we. I use that for the weather, and then I. I it's covered in pins right now out there <laughs> it's covered, i mean we pin dropped everything um and uh every dropping every screen yeah, every yeah so broken twig was marked on that thing yeah we did use uh we did use the crap out of hunt wise out there um but gear wise uh, like you said it was my first step out west um i learned a lot as far as uh boots <laughs> um, yeah, can't you
1: wear muck boots when yeah. you're just
2: out trekking miles. Yeah. Did you go muck right <laughs> out? Of course I went muck. <laughs> I, think, I thought you would have went with like dudes or crocs. Oh no, I, well, I didn't I didn't know with, like Jim sh- shocky socks over the top of them or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know that. So um, but yeah, definitely um, I think between crocs go right on your
0: backpack. <laughs> Actually, they go on my bino strap. I'll take them off and then do the heel hooks. And I'll just put the heel hook right underneath my mountain harness, the bottom clip, and then I slide it with my elbow. I slide them back. So they're just like right behind
2: my right side. Mm. I, I, uh, I'm I scared of snakes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> terrified. I'm terrified of snakes. So <laughs> if I have to wear uh, muck boots up to my knees, um, I. I, I'll, I'll wear them I don't think going. mucks are snake proof. I don't. I don't you know, it makes me feel makes better. Feel it makes me feel better.
0: I mean, maybe the spacing, they probably could. Because, like, depending on, like, if your heels tip down, the boot will be, like, six inches away from your leg. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: But, yeah, um, gear, definitely, it, it went cold. Um, it was yeah, I think it was learning to layer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. layering, <laughs> layering is 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 real. Like honestly, guys, like layering is there's there's well, a you reason. were
0: layering with some like wa- some like walls, freaking real treated <laughs> like lo- Luckily, yeah. I have
1: some decent gear. And, <laughs> or dickies you know. or something. Oh man, What'd I, you I, have?
2: The, I had the long johns. Um, I had like the classic long johns. On. The whiteies. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. dude. <laughs> the waffles, yeah. The waffles, yeah. <laughs> um, Damn. I definitely wore probably like you know four <laughs> pairs of socks at one point in time because i can have good socks <laughs> um and then probably you know i just uh i just probably uh wore three sweatshirts and then just layered it with uh you know a walmart special real tree um camo jacket and i was i expected nothing to see me i, I know dude that was i mean that's <laughs> dialed uh, that's yeah perfect. so yeah just learning a little bit about uh layering and um yeah, <laughs> doing that and just try—it's all trial and error. So that's why you know those notes kind of help, um, and that's why I, I jotted stuff down a little bit. Um, but other than that, um, it was all a learning experience. We had a great time, um, and I definitely look forward to doing it again. So yeah,
1: yeah, I'm hoping um, to get out there and maybe do some turkey hunting this year. Yeah, he had. Well, lot, I'm going. Birds. I'm booking on,
0: all my. Well, all my turkey hunts are are land trusts he's got um, birds yeah my, you know missouri and nebraska um both those hunts are land trust hunts nice because it was just like okay well because i had to look at tack dates you know so i'm like i looked at um the iowa season and i kind of just planned for the first season and then i had to look at the total archery challenge dates and so i'm i'm like and the way the tax work they're cover you know it's like i got to get there early and then it's over the weekend sometimes you don't get back till like monday mm-hmm. um by the time you tear down the booth and then the next week so i had these like real small gaps of when i could turkey hunt so i just looked at like when i could go right across the border to missouri you know over the counter tag right there locked in that and then locked in the nebraska and what's cool is you know, they're kind of. I can switch them pretty quick, I think, if I needed to. You know, if I needed, to, like, if, it, if the weather looked better at one than the other, I feel like I could, you know, probably have some time to adjust. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say that with all good things that are secret, they're good. But, you know, the, there's, there's plenty of room for everybody on this one right now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure. Definitely. And I think. I think the cool thing is, even though you you know part of any hunter wants to keep their spot to themselves, the truth is there's probably a ton of awesome spots that would benefit from using land trust that haven't heard about it. It's up to us to tell people that. So I mean, if you come across the right person, you know, or if or if you know of you know a place where maybe you've you've been wanting to to hunt it but you know the guy wants so much for the whole year maybe it's worth being like hey this could be a cool option where people just book dates you know mm-hmm. out for you know and we're all together as a mass would be pretty awesome exactly. get more spots and you know there i drive past a lot of places around here where i know people from out of state own it and they're not necessarily hunters mm-hmm. and i'll guarantee if someone had told them you know listen all you you know if you put this in for three months out of the year you're going to have guys booking dates and you know paying you money to come in and you
1: don't have to be an outfitter i think that's the coolest part about it is that you know these yeah. people that do all in the land i mean they're just farmers they're ranchers farm. i mean and they're just you know i mean it, it's just it's completely different than booking you know these these people that i mean they set up these properties for you know outfitters and stuff i think it's just it's a little different you know and well truthfully
0: when i'm successful in a lot of places it's not because of the outfitter i mean if it's on a private ranch 100 percent, the outfitter knows what's going on mm-hmm. he knows if they're bugling in that canyon or they're not or whatever but that's a pretty small portion of like what i hunt and honestly not ones i can you know rely on being invited back to Mm -hmm. so for example like up in alberta where i hunt i've knocked on doors up there for 20 years so and even though the outfitter does have good intel which you know shout out to taylor at red willow outfitters he he told me the spot where he had been seeing a mule and he's like i'm seeing him out there he's not going to be easy to get to but he's like i see him out there every day and so yeah i went out there and we freaking burned glass on that canola field and all of a sudden like we spot just this little tip of velvet out there in five foot canola and then game on but most of the time the first door i go to is a farmer's door and I'm like where you've you been seeing any good ones they're freaking awesome for Intel um, truthfully game wardens you know if you're very open with the local game warden you tell them you're new you know you're telling them there you're telling them you wanting them to do things right and also would love to have some success you'll be very surprised at how many of them really want people to come in and you know and and do it right and have a great hunt. You know they do want that. You know that that is what they want. And then you know, outside of the the farmers and the game wardens, uh, UPS drivers are freaking really good. I'm telling you, the the brown wagon or the, or the FedEx truck. Those drivers know where there's some big daddies, too. But for
1: the ones with the broken headlights. (laughs) 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 Well, that one's gone. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, that one's gone, then. Cool, dudes. Well, it was awesome. I'm glad you uh, had a good time, Joe. I'm glad uh, you let some fly, even though... By the sounds of it, your side of your rest were very jacked up at the time. Lesson learned, though. <laughs> won't happen again, I promise you that. That's how it goes. But uh, you got anything to add?
2: I think I'm good. Sh- I think I'm good.
0: Shout out from Tony. Uh, thanks, everybody, and hope you can put this to use. Knock on. Be sure to check out knockonarchery.com for our full line of custom-designed products as well as free in-depth education and bow hunting entertainment to help you shoot at your best.